A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Star Wars Film Fest. We're the Lorehounds, your guides to a galaxy far, far away. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our coverage of the 2005 film Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the movie's production, plot, and impact on the Star Wars universe, along with some listener feedback. We've also got a little bit of leftover Ahsoka feedback, so we'll touch on those as well. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of October and into November. For early access and ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. Also, if you're enjoying our content and want to help give us a leg up, leave us a rating and review on the Apple podcast page for our feed. Ratings and reviews help people find our podcast even on Peridia. Paridia. Paridia. Some people say Paridia. <laughs> uh, we love to respond to your questions, thoughts, and theories on air. So send us feedback for the next episode. Send those emails to starwars at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website. And there you can use our contact form or voicemail feature on the contact page. Uh, we've also got a Discord and you can join the discussion over there. There's a link in the show notes for all of those things. John. David. How we doing? You were my brother, David. I am? You you were. You were. <laughs> I was. You were supposed to you were supposed to destroy the dark side, not join uh, it. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm on the dark side now? It's well, so, I just I just know. wanted to recite Obi-Wan's line. Oh, uh, okay. Got it. Oh, all right, lines. of course. All right. I'm so- I just completely <laughs> whiffed your uh, whiffed your attempt at humor. That's all I right. apologize. That's yeah. all it's right. It's comfy over here in the dark side. You shouldn't join me. That's all right. I, I don't think they have many limbs there. No. <laughs> they do. no. You know, we've got a l- really great robotics and uh, a cyborg mm-hmm. program. But lacking um, in extremities, for sure. We can get you a cool uh, mod you know, cycle bike thing that you could cruise around on when you're okay. battling the forces of, of the light side. Okay. All right. I, that was a uh, bad, uh, uh, book of Boba thing. Okay. Kids. <laughs> oh right. boy. Book of Boba Fett. I, I, uh, struggle to remember it because <laughs> I, I have put that in a corner of my memory that is rarely touched. Very, fi- so, very fine. We're moving on. <laughs> so, moving uh, on. speaking of previous star Wars yes. action, uh, really quick, Star Wars background? Yes. I started with the 77 films, was a reasonable, you know, pretty good, pretty big fan of the uh, original trilogy of movies. Never read any of the book books. Read a few comics, but not really deep. And um, I was not part of the prequel revolution and have mixed feelings on the sequels. Been enjoying smattering amounts of the animated series uh, and obviously mixed results on the television thing. So not a deep, deep lore. Oh, I've got a flirking at my door. Um, not a deep, deep lore knowledge, but my 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 strength in the force is gaining every movie show that we cover. There you go. Yeah. 
I think that's a good way to put it. I think we're we're always learning about this universe because there's people who huge. read every single thing and watch every single thing that's out there. I don't think that's us. We we have too many too many universes to keep track of to go that deep into one. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's except right. Tolkien, I I feel like I've gotten pretty close to that <laughs> nice. on Tolkien. But other than that, I I mean Star Wars, I love it. I've watched the Clone Wars, I've watched Rebels, I've watched the Bad Batch. Um, oh my. And I've watched uh, <laughs> pretty much all of the live action stuff, too. The only thing I think is I'm missing on screen is resistance. And I might I might watch that eventually. But mm, I, okay. I heard it was canceled prematurely. So that always right. that always is a uh, a barrier to me when I start something that when I know it's going to end on an unsatisfying note. Kind of yucks your yum. Yeah. 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 But anyway, um, we're here to talk about the 2005 movie Revenge of the Sith. I saw this in theaters with my dad. He took me out of school to go see it because mm-hmm. he was excited to see it. And he wanted to share that experience with me. Very cool. And I remember people were in line in costume. It was really hype. Um, and I saw it and it was terrifying because I was 10 years old. But <laughs> it was also an excellent movie. And I think this is I think that experience is what sort of sold me on the prequel era and made me really enjoy it. I know that the first two movies in the prequel era had a lot of issues. I think this one overall holds up pretty well mm-hmm. this is overall a good movie it has its issues but it overall does what it needs to do and i think the biggest criticism i can give this trilogy as a whole is other than the random genocide on tatooine <laughs> i think that they didn't <laughs> sprinkle enough of anakin's dark side tendencies throughout mm-hmm. the first two i think that it felt very sudden for him in the third one to just be like, okay, fine, I'll kill Dooku out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's if you take the movies alone. The Clone Wars cartoons have done a, a world of work to make sure that you understand that th- throughout the Clone Wars, Anakin was struggling with the dark side. Throughout the mm-hmm. Clone Wars, he was trying to reconcile being a child soldier with the morals that he's being taught by the Jedi Order. Right. And I, I'm grateful that the Clone Wars cartoons exist. I think here I want to I want to present both how this movie stands alone in this trilogy. I think it's fair to expect you to watch the first two movies, but it's not fair to require you to watch seven seasons of a cartoon. Um, but I also want to talk about what the Clone Wars has added to it as we go. Cool. Sounds good. What were your thoughts on it? It was probably the strongest of the three in terms of plot and story although it was sprawling at times Mm -hmm. uh, and felt like there was a lot packed in here. The cringiness of, of what was in the first and and second movies, you know, the the bits there in terms of the romance was less uh, cringy in this for, for whatever reasons. Um, The, the turn does feel a little bit sudden, I guess I would say. And and as somebody who I, I'm trying to think if I've even watched any of the pre, I think I watched the first prequel all the way through in the theaters, you know, the when it when it came out. And then with the second and the third ones, I don't think I've ever sat down and watched them end to end like we just did. Uh, mm. I've always seen bits and pieces and whatnot. And so seeing this in its complete form was interesting. And it's, it's, there's so much that are, in, are packed into these prequels that really set up this uh, ability for mm-hmm. the larger uh, storytelling that, that happens in Star Wars. And so I can really appreciate that for these movies for that aspect of it. You will try. <laughs> there are, you know, many books that have extended the universe. A lot of stuff got decanonized and whatever. But really, these three prequels are the cornerstone for, you know, the, the rest of the franchise. Right. And um, so I, I think I have a new appreciation for the prequels as almost encyclopedic in some mm-hmm. ways. And, and uh, yeah, I don't have the nostalgia like I do with 77. And, but that's a personal thing, right? That's you know, the, right. just like your father right. took you out, like that's a nostalgia point for you. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, we're all going to have those different experiences, but I can certainly understand this film 
and what it does on this larger level and how many key moments were were in this and then how how we get to the emperor not just how anakin turns but how the emperor becomes the emperor that that we know later um so it does a lot to to connect up the the dots yeah you know, and it was fine. It was long. There were some silly bits, but eh, you know, it was it was okay. It was. Uh, I, I. It doesn't deserve the vitriol. I don't think that the prequels, as a seven, a child of seventy seven, I think I can put down my hate <laughs> for the the prequels. <laughs> That's great. That's great. After doing the this this run of them and and just accept them for what they are, for how they were produced, mm-hmm. why they were produced, when they were produced, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, one of the things I think one of the things that helps me in that journey, too, is also to see um, Hayden Christensen in his return to the franchise in the modern context with Ahsoka and Mm -hmm. and things like that. And that sort of rehabilitation that we've gotten in the um, in the storylines and the restoration of the for the actors and, and stuff. So it it changes in Ahmad best and you know, what have you. And so putting all of that into fresh context and, and fresh, fresh light, I feel um, more accepting and, there you uh, go. and, and a wholeness, a sense of wholeness now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think um, as my generation has gotten older and has populated the internet more, I think that the prequels have aged better. I think that just there's more of us who have that nostalgia factor who are willing to overlook just like your generation was willing to overlook a lot of flaws in 77, right? Like that, sure, there's some absolutely. really bad dialogue in the original trilogy. <laughs> um, and there's Never mind some, kissing your sister. Yeah. And there's some really weird looking stuff in the original trilogy. It's not all great, mm-hmm. but you love what it is enough and you have enough nostalgia for it where you are in on the story and you are in on the universe. And I think that my generation sort of felt that way with a lot of the prequel stuff. Now, I, I think that overall the original trilogy still holds up better uh, on a story level than the prequels do. But I think that the prequels have a leg up on 77 when it comes to world building. And sure. I think that yeah. George Lucas really, really did a great job laying the framework for this universe in the prequel trilogy. And honestly, I think the best thing I could say about this movie is it is unapologetic in what it is. It is exactly (laughs) what George Lucas wanted to do. It is, you know, turn to the dark side. It is soap opera. It is, Mm. it is, um, you know, these really big dramatic points where you have this big duel with Obi-Wan and that's, Mm. that's like the, the turning point of the whole thing. It's a ridiculous duel on top of lava. They, they can't just move right. off of it, right. but it's amazing. And it's, it looks awesome. And it creates these iconic lines that people quote to this day. Sure. And um, I think that's where the sequel trilogy sort of fell flat for me is that it was incredibly apologetic the entire time. Mm. The, the third prequel movie. And I, I want to save this for then more, but the mm. third prequel movie actively sought to undo the second one right and that i think made it a a, a miss it made it impossible to have a satisfying conclusion if you're working against what you've already laid down george lucas has his flaws but he was finishing what he started with revenge of the sith and he was really connecting the original trilogy to the prequel trilogy in a satisfying way the there's a unity of vision in the first yeah. three, right? Yeah. And that's that's cl- not present in the in the final three. But that's right. uh, yeah, we can litigate that when we we get there. But I agree with you that there's a reason. And and in '77, Lucas hadn't, in, you know, he had only the vision that he had mm-hmm. until he came back to make the prequels right. after the after you know. Uh, episode uh, five and six, I guess is the, the correct numbering. I mean, um, when, when he did 77, he didn't even know if Darth exactly. Vader would be Anakin Skywalker. Right. Exactly. That wasn't a decision made yet. And so from that standpoint, the, the prequels giving us the world, what are the clone wars? What is this emperor? What is, you know, all of this stuff. it really does inflate the world it breathes life into the world in that much bigger context and that you can't um you can appreciate the movie from a storytelling standpoint or not but you can't unplug the prequels from the lore obviously because that's what gives us the foundation for for all these things because the books are 
are different authors and just people out writing stuff, right? You know, there wasn't a, a unification there, which I, you know, where they, we really feel like they're trying to do right now, what Filoni right. is, the, the project that Filoni and Favreau are, are somewhat working on and who God knows what's going on with Star Wars <laughs> Lucasfilm leadership, but that's a whole right. other question. Well, you know what? I'll say this too. I think that my generation growing up with the prequels helped the prequels reputation. It could be that in 20, 30 years, the Zoomers and the Gen Alpha are going to grow up watching the sequel trilogy and love it and quote it all the time and think that it's amazing. And that's mm -hmm. great. And I hope that they do. And and I hope that there's a similar effort. I think I think Filoni and Favreau, as you mentioned, are doing the same kind of work that Filoni did with the Clone Wars to try to smooth out the rough edges. Mm -hmm. Fill in the story and yeah, right. And, and create a... Uh, a cohesive connective um, uh, right. structure. Make it feel like the same characters, right? I think exactly. I think that's the biggest complaint you have about Anakin in the prequels. He feels like a very different character from episode two to three. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, you have Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi feeling very, very, very different from Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi and that that was jarring for a lot of people. It was jarring for Mark Hamill. You know, he did an interview where he was very against... Um, basically what Ryan Johnson had him do. And I, I, right. I liked, I liked the movie. I liked what they did with Luke. Generally. I just, there were certain things that I did not like. I did not like sure. having him, um, you know, try well. to kill his nephew. That was, that was really <laughs> the big thing is like, how do you have this guy whose whole shtick was seeing the love, the good side in his evil father, father. that the whole universe hates and then he has one premonition, and he almost kills him. We'll we'll get us. You got to write those notes down for when I know. we get to that film. <laughs> I know. I know. So. All right. All right. We can't talk about Luke Skywalker. He's not born yet. Not till the end of the movie. Right. So let's do a quick summary. I'm going to do the first part of the movie first, and we could talk about that, and then we'll talk about Grievous to the end. I think that's a good cutoff point. Okay. All right, so Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi rescue Chancellor Palpatine from Count Dooku, with Anakin killing Dooku after encouragement from Palpatine. Do it. The Jedi Council begins to suspect... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where's my lightsaber? I'm going to kill something. The Jedi Council begins to suspect Chancellor Palpatine's motivations after he remains in office far past his term limit. They order Anakin to spy on Palpatine, and Palpatine orders the Council to allow Anakin a seat. They do so, but refuse to grant him the rank of master, which is outrageous. It's unfair. <laughs> Meanwhile, Anakin has premonitions of Padme's death in childbirth, allowing Palpatine to entice him with the dark side of the force to save her life. When Palpatine reveals himself as a Sith Lord, Anakin enforces, uh, informs Mace Windu, who brings a team of Jedi to arrest the Chancellor. While Palpatine kills most of the team, Mace corners him. Anakin walks in and pleads for Palpatine's life. When Windu refuses, Anakin cuts off his hands, allowing Palpatine to kill Windu and anoint Anakin Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah, he's got such a, a iconic voice, the the Emperor. I know. Unlimited power. <laughs> he's got so many good lines in this. He does. He really does. You know, the the whole um I really do love, honestly the way that he tempts Anakin because a mm -hmm. young kid who, again, it's credible for him to think this is going to come to pass this death and childbirth because in episode two, he sees his mother dying uh, in some way. And then he finds her on Tatooine dying at the hands of the Tuscans. This is a central problem, central issue for Anakin's character, right? Is right. relationship with women the the various and sundry aspects of it and and how he relates to um to his mother and his wife uh, and and in the social strictures that he's placed under when uh, as a jedi not being allowed to you know supposedly being an aesthetic i guess you would say you're you're refusing those sort of um uh delights of of being a, a mortal in a body but i think this goes to this uh, problem that Anakin constantly encounters. And I'm not saying it's of his own occurrence because 
when he gets placed on the council, but not given the title of master, when he's told by one side to spy on the other side and the other side says spy on them. Right. He's placed in these impossible decisions and these impossible binds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he tries to seek solace and counsel with Padme and she's like, there, there husband, it'll be fine. And, you know, his, his, uh, his master, his Padawan master, Obi-Wan, is off on other missions and can't, isn't really there to, to guide him or organize it. It's just, nobody knows what to do with him. He doesn't know what to do with himself. And then everybody places him into these impossible positions. The only person who really understands him is Palpatine. So no wonder he he gravitates that way because there's a sense of understanding and I, and appreciation Mm -hmm. and honesty in, in some regards, even though the ultimate means are, the ultimate ends are are for the dark side, but Palpatine can see his potential and wants him to reach his potential, mm-hmm. right? Where everybody else is like, oh, they're there, you know, little Annie, you know, go here, do this, well, do, do our crazy I, I mean, people see the dark side in Anakin, but they only see the dark side in Anakin, those people, Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he really does sense the fear and anger in Anakin. He's afraid of it. But he only sees that and he doesn't see the potential to do good. Even the whole like, if what you told me is true. First of all, if what you told me is true, really, that's that's insulting right away. If what you told me is true, we'll we'll talk. You know, you'll, you'll be on my good side. Um, very disrespectful the whole time. I think Mace is is perhaps the biggest problem on the Jedi Council. Just really arrogant and refusing to give Anakin an ounce of respect. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, at the same time, Anakin's acting like a petulant child. It's unfair. You know, <laughs> you're really going to want to be a Jedi master and yell about it being unfair that you're not. Mm-hmm. That's not very Jedi-like of you. Right. But even even Padme, like, you're right. He see, She sees him as only his light side. And that is is her downfall with him. Um, and she sees his dark side too late when she's already in the air with a force joke. But in the Clone Wars cartoon, you see a little bit of the darker side of their relationship. I mean, there is this whole arc where this guy is kind of hitting on Padme and Anakin beats the shit out of him, mm-hmm. like unprompted, just completely attacks him and like leaves him battered. And the guy kind of covers for him because he knows that Padme loves Anakin. So he's he goes, uh, oh, it's fine. Somebody somebody broke in and attacked me. You know, it wasn't Anakin, uh, but he definitely has jealousy. He definitely has possessive. Right. Right. Uh, over her um and he he has a lot of these dark side emotions going throughout the clone wars that are only getting worse when he thinks he's gonna lose her this the is the ultimate a, loss of her right it's not she he can't get her back if she's dead right right um and and then therein both with the emperor and with padme and anakin to some degree is we we enter into this thing of uh longevity and reincarnation and and whatnot but that aside really quick um this uh idea of anakin's maturity in in the clone wars he's a general commanding battalions of troopers right and he's a good uh and and he's a really crafty tactician he wins a lot of success on the battlefield at, yet- yeah with, with war crimes too <laughs> of course yeah he, you know he does war. he does do fake surrenders which are definitely not okay in war right yeah. <laughs> well it depends on how you how you structure i mean we have something called geneva convention but i mean ruse de guerre is is as long as as war is old so mm. how we how we call it legal or not that's a sure. you know, different question sure. maybe brian just not very light side i would say this we'll deception. write in with that no sure it's uh, deception is 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 deception um but this idea that he is he's his maturity levels Right. His, you know, we, we go from, you know, Clone Wars cleaning up his, not cleaning up, but rounding out his backstory. And then they're like, it's not fair. They're not making me a master. And here he is. He, he's commanded battalions and fleets and destroyed. Yeah. yeah it's whole, pretty, it's pretty know, jarring. Armies. It's a, it's a, yeah, it is. It's an inconsistency, but that's, that's fine. Right. Because of, I did Lucas have a, a vision of the depth of the Clone Wars? Probably not. I don't know what the, the creative process was there. But then that all goes back to Anakin's training. Like, should we have picked this kid up or not? And should we have introduced him to 
being, mm-hmm. you know, training him in the ways of the force, I guess it is the way to. to yeah, eat. it's interesting. It's mm-hmm. so it, it's very interesting to see these different worlds being built because you have the Jedi who are saying, well, you got to come to us young or we're not teaching you, even if you are force sensitive. Right. And in the wheel, wheel of time, you have this idea of, oh, anyone who can channel is dangerous. If untaught, we're at least going to train you how to not kill yourself and others <laughs> and blow up. The and world. then we'll send you out if you want to leave. Like, go, right. if you want to leave, great. Um, if you don't have the power to be an eyes to die, great. But we're at least going to train you how to use this inherent power in you to not hurt people. Right. That's kind of important. Right. But meanwhile, with the force is just like, now we're just going to leave them out there for the Sith to pick out and, and <laughs> win over, you know? Right. Or just to accidentally discover your powers and start, right. uh, you know, using them. on in Cause an avalanche or something, you know, like right. something destructive. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, this this question of Anakin's maturity, I think, is is interesting. But then when he becomes Darth Vader, he's very mature. And then later when we see him in, in later films and things like that, he is all of that boyhood, that that boyhoodness is gone. And it's but is almost he, is like, he mature or is he serious? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't think he is mature. He's constantly like, oh, you insulted my religion? Force joke. You right. uh, you know, he he's constantly underestimating enemies and and uh, going on wild chases. And I, I don't I don't know if Darth hmm, Vader is mature, really. I think he's I think he's just as hot headed as Anakin is. Okay. He just is monotone, you know, not monotone, but you know what I mean? Like a deeper, yeah, yeah, yeah. deeper, less range in his voice, less joy, for sure, less joy, for sure, less like boy like joy. But he I don't think he's mature. I think he's just serious. That's in, yeah, that's interesting. He's um, deadly. He's dangerous. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, in command of his powers. But does he have a wisdom that 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 expands above above and beyond where he is or is he kind of flat that's an interesting question and and thought about that before yeah Uh, i mean he's being kept in the suit that leaves him vulnerable to his master he's constantly living in the moment of his greatest failure which is he Mm, believes he killed padme at the end of this movie right 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 um and and that's that's how he lives he lives in this fear of himself of this shame until He's encased he in the. That, he's encased it by his. He's armored by his shame. Right, and then he finally finds out. Oh, she! I didn't kill her. She died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was kind of also going for a um, initiation ceremony, going from a you know childhood to adulthood, and di- the way that different cultures and religions have those transitional ceremonies, and and his is being. Uh, left for dead by his his master, right? You know, right. His former master, and and that's the graduation of him from childhood to adulthood. You know, so even Pretty though he's, I hate not, you. <laughs> maybe he's not mature in a why in a wise sense, but he's no longer a, a child yeah. either because we don't hear him. He doesn't go stomping around the Death Star and you know getting mad at Grand Marf Tarkin, right? You know, like oh, you won't let me take my Tie Fighter. You know, yeah. blow up that planet. Well, he has so, authority. He has yes. authority. That's the difference, right? Is is unlike on the Jedi Council where he's you know, no they authority. won't put a single ounce of respect on his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is feared. He is, and and he leads by fear. You know, he he yeah, didn't get he did not get authority, but through love, and so mm-hmm. he leaned into fear, and that's how he gained authority over most of the galaxy. Being on a on the council without being a master. To have that position without responsibility, to have that, uh, or what is it? How does it go? Responsibility without authority. Um, that is like the worst from like management standpoints and business. Yeah, you got a promotion like without a pay raise. You, <laughs> and, and yet his boss, you know, if your boss is still second guessing every decision, oh, you're going to be VP of, of uh, you know, internal security or well, I don't know, whatever, I'm making stuff. Um, and, but yet every decision you have to make, every decision you do make is second guessed or has to be approved by somebody else or whatever. So to have the responsibility, but have no authority, that's a failure. That's, that's a trap for failure. And, and anyone in that position, no matter what position is, uh, is doomed to have problems. And so just like they messed with Ahsoka in a falsely accusing her and then going, oops, our bad. You know, they they do the same stupid, arrogant thing to him and and serve to 
bring their hasten their downfall even faster by pushing Anakin to the the Emperor because they're so blind that they can't even see that the Emperor is the 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 Sith sure. Lord. For sure. I mean, reasons. they're suspicious of him from the beginning of the movie, but they certainly don't realize the depth of it, right? No. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, it's kind of like it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Surely it is inappropriate for the chancellor to be saying you need to put this guy on the Jedi Council. That's meddling with affairs that are not your business. Right. And surely it's justified for them to be annoyed about it, but they shouldn't be annoyed at Anakin. That's first of all. Right. Um, they should be annoyed at Palpatine and push back at him, not at not at Anakin. Anakin right. is a kid. Anakin is the victim and the person in the middle and all this. Right. Yep. Yeah. And absolutely. When you bring Anakin in, you don't go, "Well, we hate this idea, but I guess there's a chair for you," which is basically <laughs> what Mace Window sa- Windu says. <laughs> right. All right, child, sit in your chair. Sit in the kitty room. Be quiet. Um, don't say anything. You know. Right. Yeah. You don't have any. You don't have any juice on that. You don't. You don't have a right. voice here. Right. Right it's just like it's just so insulting it's just so like come on man Uh, again mace windu does everything in his power to push anakin towards the dark side right right and yoda doesn't help i I don't think either so no yoda yoda's passive but that doesn't excuse him right is he he really did absolutely nothing to solve this problem (laughs) um he could have been like anakin if it were going to be anyone, I'm glad it's you, right? You right. know, you you are you are very capable. We want to see you go through a couple more things before we grant you the rank of master. You know, we're not quite ready to do that, but it's coming. Uh, which Obi Wan kind of says to him at some point too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they'll they'll give you the rank of master. Just be a little patient. Mm-hmm. But um, no, Mace just completely just like yells at him the whole time. And just right. like, I guess sit down. I guess sit down. You know, it's just very. It's a slap in the face, and mm. yeah. The only person who seems to be vouching for him is Palpy. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. there you go. Right. It's it's no it, there's no surprises there in in how things went. Right. So anyway, I think that it's it's very I think Mace was the biggest problem on the Jedi Council. It's kind of fitting that he's the one who gets killed by Anakin's turn to the dark side. Um, I know people are like, is he ever going to come back just with mechanical hands? He fell, but we didn't see him die. All right, no, it's done. Yeah, I hope they. I really hope he never comes back because not not just because the character annoys me. I mean, he's a, he's a cool fighter. I'm not against watching stories about characters I don't care for personally, but just it would be very silly to be like, and he fell to his death, or did he? Mm, yeah, no, and that that cheapens everything, and and that becomes the world of nothing. Everything means nothing. Right. Right. There's no stakes. There's no, um, there's no meaning behind people's actions because you can just bring anybody back anytime. So right, yeah. But you know what? I I, I talk a lot of smack about Mace, but the entire Jedi Council does nothing to help us here, right? Like even if they're yeah. being passive, they're actively, they're actively making Anakin feel small and right. feel like he needs somebody to lift him up, and well, and so all of their passiveness, passivity, is giving him license to go somewhere else. And yeah, we've we've talked a lot about the <laughs> the the not great leadership uh, presented by the the Jedi Council here. They are they yep. are so far uh, underwater here. Uh, they're so far away from mm-hmm. purpose, from having being able to have clear vision. They're just mired in uh, war and strife. And Palpy is running game on them. Uh, you know, right. So they're they're completely effed. And and never mind the weird governmental structure of having this independent night society that like kind of answers to, to the government but doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very strange. So Palpatine was a genius for making them generals in the war because he mm-hmm. was able to pin the whole thing on them. Yeah, yeah. Of exactly. course, we have to just mention the elephant in the room here, which is that this was all coming out in the context of the Iraq War, and there are some very deliberate parallels with the Iraq War. Oh, interesting. War. Hadn't yeah. hadn't considered that aspect. Yeah. And uh, apparently there was a boycott of Iraq War supporters. Uh, they were boycotting the movie because they thought Lucas was too critical of Bush. Oh. <laughs> okay. They thought Lucas was trying to paint Bush as the, the emperor. Oh, strange. Okay. Yeah. Never, never thought that thought never crossed my mind. So yeah, pretty crazy. All right. Let's move on to the next section on Utapau. What's, the, what's the, what a fun word, right? <laughs> on Utapau, 
Obi-Wan defeats General Grievous. After his victory, Palpatine executes Order 66, causing the clones to turn on the Jedi. Anakin does his part by killing all the younglings in the Jedi Temple. Palpatine then orders him to kill the last of the Separatists and the Trade Federation on Mustafar. Obi-Wan and Yoda determine it was Anakin who killed the younglings, and Obi-Wan stows away on Padme's ship to get to Anakin on Mustafar. Anakin believes Obi-Wan has turned Padme against him and attacks her, leaving her unconscious. Obi-Wan and Anakin duel, leaving Anakin without any organic limbs and burning on the edge of a lava pool. Obi-Wan leaves him to die, but Palpatine arrives and saves him, providing the suit that turns him into Darth Vader. Padme dies in childbirth after naming her children Luke and Leia. Yoda goes into exile, Bail Organa adopts Leia, and Obi-Wan takes Luke to Tatooine. One thing I didn't write in here is, of course, Palpatine uses this as an excuse to cement his power with the Senate. He mm. calls for a vote to turn the Republic into an empire and have him be the emperor. Right. Um, did Obi-Wan royally screw up here by yes. not, um, uh, you know, com- completing the coup de gras on 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 Anakin? Well, actually, I, I don't think he messed up there. I think his mess up was leaving Anakin alone. Not okay. taking him with him uh, and not leaving okay. him at right. home. The reason Anakin was isolated was because the Jedi Council was insisting on him remaining with Palpatine. Right. Right. Uh, right. And so, the, again, the Jedi put him in these vulnerable situations. He's not ready to be master, but he's ready to be a double agent. Are we kidding? Mm-hmm. It's just, and if he's if he's not a master, he's still a Padawan, and so he should oh, be a with his master. He's a knight. He's above he's knight. the okay. level of Padawan. Yeah. Okay. There's there's okay. there's an intermediary there. Uh, okay, I didn't realize the, the, that. that. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Because that way he could be away from his master. Right, because Ahsoka is his Padawan at this point, although mm-hmm. that's not in this movie, really. Um, but True, yeah. Yeah, yeah complete yeah. Uh, absence. But yeah, it wasn't created yet, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. So, But the fact that you're going to leave him to suffer and burn, I mean, I can understand that it might be a difficult thing to kill your brother, uh, you know, to... <laughs> to finish him off as it were the coup de gras um but to leave him to suffer isn't that worse it is that's a great point i thought about that too when i was watching (laughs) i'm like this is not mercy no it's not he's he's in horrible horrible pain and you're just like oh bye yeah i think if you if you look at it in like the star wars make it make sense way is Mm -hmm. This is the force working in mysterious ways. Anakin has to balance out the force eventually. He still hasn't done it. Leave him alive for now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he brings balance to the force again. I know. I know. We talk about the prophecy thing being kind of a weakness of the trilogy <sighs> rather than a strength. Yeah. But Pro- prophecies and midichlorians, we just don't. We we don't. I think we're moving on in storytelling away from the, mm-hmm. the chosen one sort of thing. The, the very Judeo. I mean, I, I like it in the wheel of time, savior. But sure, but that's. But he's he's actively of, messing with it, right? He's yes, actually yeah. He's he's turning it on its head. Yeah, and playing with it and and examining it from different angles. So that's but he but he's not coming forward with the story of saying, oh yes, the chosen one thing, which is all right. Yeah, let's let's move on from that and let's divert. You know, let's let's open up our storytelling and, and get away yeah. from the, the mono hero. And I think that people have been turning it on its head for a while. Who who is the hero of the Lord of the Rings is the most unlikely person, right? Not mm-hmm. the chosen one, but an ordinary person. Well, even to the even such that Gollum destroys himself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he he through a through a trick and an accident, you know, he trips or, or what have you. Because no um, one would have been able to do it, right? There was no chosen one. This mm-hmm. was an impossible right. task. Exactly. If, if you do it intentionally. And, you know, Frodo and Sam paid dear prices for it. Yes. You know? Yeah. There was consequence. There wasn't, oh, I'm going to get a medal and and have my sister wink at me. <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> uh, you know, and everything's Funny enough, just a quick segue. I saw recently on an Instagram reel, somebody had posted, and I don't know the creation of this, but they basically showed the metal ceremony without the triumphant music. 
and and it sounds like, and I don't know if this is real audio or if it was audio that somebody has layered in, but it's um, it's like people coughing and shuffling around, and when yeah, R2D2 comes out, ding, ding, yeah, ding, 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 that's probably layered in, but yeah, yeah, but it's so perfect, it's so good, and God, that scene is un- it's it's hilarious to watch without the music. You're just like, whoa, the music really, really does a, a lot here for what's going on. So yep. anyway. Sorry to segue that. It, it just no, I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's yeah. fun. And um, you know what a genius power play for Palpatine to consolidate power here by being like the Jedi. You know, don't ask any questions about them. We had to turn the troops on them because they were they were going to thwart this republic. They were going to attack democracy, um, <laughs> which is the same thing that you know they're. Obi-Wan is defending similar things to what Palpatine is saying he's defending, right? So mm-hmm. you can use these things. And I think, again, this is going back to Iraq war. What are we doing in Iraq? We're trying to spread democracy to the Middle East, right? That's what that's what George Bush is saying, right? We're trying to bring the power of well, democracy that was the, over there. Right. That was the messaging. Right. right? That that's what I'm saying, messaging. right? Yeah. Is that that's Palpatine's messaging. Oh, they tried to overthrow democracy. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. need to have something stronger. And, you know, you can compare it to the Patriot Act, um, you know, the George Bush Patriot Act or versus, you know, creating an empire. A Mm -hmm. lot of a lot of criticisms of the Bush administration within this movie. Right. Well, and and this goes into, I think, a central question that our species is facing right now is is styles of government and leadership. And, you know, the fact that demagoguery is not. Um, is something, it's a a structure that's being, that is developed based on some impulses that we have as a species, where in some cases, you know, some people are are happy with the the messiness of it. And and in some cases, other people want clear and uh, consistent leadership, even if Mm -hmm. that leadership is not always uh, in their best interests. Um, I'm trying to, you know, very carefully navigate. I'm not a political scientist either. I'm just a, an armchair podcaster. Uh, but this idea that Palpatine uses he is a he is really really good at using the institutions and understanding how to play the institutions, and then to in- mm-hmm. include the Order sixty six code in the software, so to speak. So that when he turns it on, the you know the clone troopers have no choice. That's a brilliant yep. piece of storytelling. It's also from a in world. It's a brilliant uh, strategic and tactical element. Um, and to t- take your army and flip a switch, and it's incredible. Right. It, it was incredible foresight, incredible ability to plan, incredible ability to understand. Um, how that works. And I think that's kind of unique in Lucas's storytelling that there is that that order 66 exists in a, in mm-hmm. a storytelling uh, as a storytelling element. And I can't think of its um, equal in, in some ways. I mean, people, different people have played with some AI stuff. I haven't read all of the uh, Asimov, Asimov uh, I robot stuff. And I don't know what, what might be there in terms of inspiration or source, um, and maybe there's other uh, other stories that incorporate something like that, but I'm I, you know I'm I'm not always fully read, but I'm sure you know maybe if somebody's got an idea about something, I'd love to hear feedback. Yeah. Of like where did Order sixty six? What what inspired it? What informed it? What things did uh, Lucas have at his fingertips to be able to create that device? Because it's a it's probably more device. historical than literary, right? Is you rarely in literature see the building of an evil empire you mm. usually see the fall of it like you do in the original trilogy like sure you do in right basically sure. every single fantasy sci-fi thing ever mm-hmm. um and it's very rare to go back in time and be like well let me tell you how that happened though mm. how, did, how did this get created mm-hmm. and well it's because is, we've been stuck in these here. monomyth things where we're we're looking for the savior to do stuff right so sure sure uh yeah so it is a it, I, I think we can give props to lucas for that as well as to spin the camera angle around from the point of view and like, how did an evil empire rise? Okay. That's an interesting story. And also using 
conspiratorial thinking as mm, as mm-hmm. a device here. So, you know, Palpatine, the the most effective thing he does to secure himself as emperor and say, I was attacked. I'm deformed now because mm-hmm. of the way that these people attacked me. Why do they want to attack me? What are they hiding? Mm. Why don't they want me in charge? Let's make sure I'm in charge forever to spite them. Mm. You know, and I'm not going to make any direct comparisons today, <laughs> but I well, think that there's a lot of like, yeah, yeah of there's a lot of like, okay, Caesar why, did the same why thing. don't they want me in charge? Right. Right. Why, why don't they want me in charge? This big they. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's a lot of how people get won over on this conspiratorial thinking is there is some kind of secret plot against right. me. Right. M- meanwhile, meanwhile, the secret plot is on the side of Palpatine in this case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, well, that's, it's that's very perfect, interesting. Right. You throw off what you're hiding, right? You you accuse what you are doing. Um, you know, that's a, that's a well-worn right. trick. You know, two thoughts quickly come to mind, um, two quick segue of thoughts. One, in Fall of the House of Usher, I just started watching episode three on the the Netflix the other night. I I got interrupted, so I didn't finish the episode. But it's very interesting at the beginning of that episode because part of the plot, without spoiling anything, is on a public relations standpoint, how there is an opportunity for the family to gain sympathy among the general public and how to vilify the law enforcement that's sort of coming after them and and whatnot. And so this Mm -hmm. ability to turn that, to to find a moment of sympathy then and turn that against your enemies and having the general public then turn against your enemies as well. So really nice little touch and fall of House of Usher. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also thinking about, uh, I was just listening this morning to Maester Anthony on his most recent uh, Electric Boogaloo uh, podcast. Uh, he's coming up to a break in the season for Clash of Kings. And he was talking to a particular professor. I forget the, the gentleman's name, but they're talking about the prince. And this this guy uses uh, the Machia- Machiavellian writings and in direct comparison to Game of Thrones in one of his college classes. And so Anthony read uh, read the book. They talk about it and they talk about the power and, and all of these kinds of things. And so uh, it's also a very interesting sideways conversation. You know, go listen to that podcast real quick, because I think it will help us look at, you know, it help you as a, the listener think about this power structure as well, because it's totally like flipping switches in my brain about mm-hmm. how to use power and and what are the tactics and strategies and the, and the things that Palpatine employed you know, of, of how to turn public sentiment against the Jedi. Masterstroke, right? Absolute masterstroke. Another question I have to follow up on this whole idea of power, vulnerability, whatnot, is do you think that Palpatine was really cornered by Mace or was he putting on an act for Anakin only? Oh, please help me. Don't kill me. Mm, mm, Anakin, do something. Uh, well, can it be both? It can be. And I, yeah. I think it might be a little bit of both, but it's... He, uh, he lulls Mace into a false sense. I'm going to arrest you, but wait, I thought you were going to kill him. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, anyway, whatever Mace's um, mixed motivations are. But he certainly does draw sympathy out of Anakin uh, and then gains that tactical advantage to, um, you know... And, and But I think Anakin... I mean, I, sorry, not Anakin. I think Palpatine is constant or Darth Sidious, whatever, how, you know, this dual nature that he has. Um, he's looking for that moment to pivot Anakin, to get him to step over, not just to be uh, cozying up to the power of the dark side, but actually cross the line. Sure. Yeah. And doing he's, he's doing some kind him. of irrevo- mm-hmm. irrevocable action, which is exactly. killing a Jedi. Exactly. And and he needs to get him over that line. And then the moment that happens, you know, um, uh, Anakin is, uh, Darth Vader is um, wholly subservient to, to Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, my master, you know. He's kneeling right do? away, right? Exactly. He's He's gone. He's too far over. Yep. Dark stuff, dark stuff. Uh, speaking of dark stuff, the younglings, they didn't fare so well here. We know, yeah. we know Grogu was among them. <laughs> we know now after Mandalorian season three. Right, that's right. With uh, oh, what was the with Kellerin? Uh, Kellerin, yes, yes, Kellerin back. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that'd be a fun to see. I would love there. I think with the, with visions and not well with visions and with, um, what was the Dooku, uh, uh, Ahsoka. Yeah. Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi. I think it would be really great if we told some more of those. I don't need a whole show of, uh, Anakin or, um, um, Keller. My best. Keller and thank you, Keller and Beck. But I would love a short. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. leading up to that moment. I don't need, you know, up to the moment where he gets Grogu, like what happens to, mm-hmm. to get there. That would be a fun eight, 12 minute, you know, yeah. animated yeah, short absolutely. or something. So that would be. I would also love a what if series on Star Wars, but that's yeah. just, that's just dreaming now. Hey, Lucasfilm, call us. We're, yeah, right. we'll, <laughs> We're we'll, cheap. We'll be the new Filoni and Fabro. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a terrible job. Anyway, anyway. Um, the duel. Yes. Let's talk about it. What'd you think? Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to recall it. The, this is the most iconic duel in all of Star, Star Wars. I know. And you're we trying were watching, to recall it. Well, because we were watching <laughs> on a live watch. And so I was, I was busy chatting as much as I was yeah, yeah. watching. It, we, so. I, that was a lot of really fun live watch. I hope people come to the one on solo that we do probably yeah. in November. Yeah. We had uh, we had a good time chatting uh, chatting it up. I think when we do these live watches, uh, when it's a live watch, I got to pay attention to the live watch. But when it's I got to watch the movie, maybe separate from the live mm. watch, so that I can actually absorb the the thing. weren't they hop? They were hopping around on the the different skiffs over yeah, the, the lava and stuff. And yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, you know, all of that I can kind of. Do without. I would rather have a. This is the up. best duel in all of Star Wars, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna not show some give respect, David. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, absolutely. Fair enough. Uh, it will I, always be my favorite, mostly because of the dialogue. I love it. You know, you you are my sure. brother. My allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy. Just <laughs> all of this great stuff going on. Right. Love it. Well, and Lucas had to write that up, right? I mean, he had to. He had to. That has to be a crescendo. Mm-hmm. That has to you be. You turned her against me. Mm-hmm. You have done that yourself. Wow, you have this whole thing. Memorized. I could quote this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That's great. And Ewan McGregor. I mean, who could ask for more? Mm, who could ask for true. more? You even get in this you movie. I didn't really one. mention it, but you get hello there. You get yes, that's <laughs> you right. get the uh, mm-hmm. the callback to the original movie. This is a where, meme uh, factory. Yeah. Oh, do you not know about the prequel meme subreddit? No, no. It's I'm one not of big... the biggest subreddits on Reddit, I think. <laughs> oh, really? It is. It's amazing. It's just all prequel memes. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It was very, very memeable. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. No, that's that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in that way. Yeah, but I did remember seeing when Obi-Wan pops up there. Well, hello there. I'm like, wait, that's a meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also a callback to um, Alec Guinness. Uh, yeah, saying right, hello there, to, you know, in yeah. the first movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, and that goes back to my fact the, the fact that I don't, I haven't watched this movie a that many times, uh, uh, nor when I have seen it, it's mostly in chunks. So, you know, I'll see it for a few minutes and drop out and drop in, drop out. So, watching it front to back like this is, is, it's not as burned into my synapses as, as uh, 77 is. I could definitely quote this a lot more than I can the original trilogy. Right, yeah. Well, there you especially go. Especially the duel scene, especially that. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's it's iconic. I uh, there's uh, <laughs> there, I just saw a TikTok the other day that was like, uh, it had the whole dialogue of leading up to their duel uh-huh. in uh acronyms. Like it just had had like, you know, the letters, and uh, they said if she can qu- if she can read you what this means. Merrier, you know, it's just it's just like very, <laughs> very memeable this area, right? Very memeable this scene. Anyway, uh, Padme, one of the dumbest parts of the movie, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. She died because she lost the will to live. Right. The whole Padme arc is just she is just done no favors in this no. whole arc, and in the deleted scenes, she's politicking the whole time. Mm-hmm. She's trying to stop, you know, the war from going on. She's trying to solve problems, you know, stay one she's step ahead of senator. this consolidation. She was, yeah, she's she was she's the brilliant. elected representative, the, the elected queen of of her of Naboo. I mean, come on. Yep. So, yep. yeah, no, they um, just 
the filmmaking fell victim to the outmoded ideas of, of gender norms in, in this. So we yeah. just, we can't, what can we do? We, we it's can, a shame. We can headcanon stuff, but yeah, the film is the film and it was made when it was made, which is right. We're moving on. So. Sure. Uh, I've saw, I've seen some headcanon people have done where it's like the droid just didn't know why she was dying. It was like an inca- incompetent medical droid. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. She lost the will to live. <laughs> <laughs> Her her will to live meter is is plummeting. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a crappy medical droid. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No. I'm. Yeah. I and it's a, a shame because um, uh, what's her name? Uh, the actress, Natalie Portman. Sorry. Thank you, Natalie Portman. Is you know, damn fine actor and and yeah. just not given um, not given the space to to do anything yeah. with the character. Yeah. If you've seen some of her other big movies like V for Vendetta, she's brilliant in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just they did not let her have any range in this in this movie or any no, of these solid. movies, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, uh, I know she's expressed interest in coming back. So really? Hopefully. Yeah. So hopefully we get her again someday. OK. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else to say about the actual movie, David. I think. Uh, do you want to head into Star Wars feedback? Sure. We can do that. Yeah. I just will. Uh, I, I am on record now. Fully and uh, wholeheartedly, without reservation, without moral reservation, and no one has coached me or paid me to say this, but the prequels are not that bad. Brought to you by <laughs> Lucasfilms. <laughs> All right, David, I think that uh, you and I are are uh, running short on time today. So what Real life is intruding. Here, yes. Yep, what we're going to do here is we're going to um, cut it here. And yep. then sometime next week, we're going to record a feedback episode because we have a lot of listener feedback for both Ahsoka and uh, Revenge of the Sith. So and these we'll are not sort of short emails. <laughs> no, they're like, yeah, there's eight <laughs> pages like of pages. feedback right now. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to uh, cut here. We'll record a bridge episode where we do some feedback. Maybe we'll talk about like a fun Star Wars topic or something like that. Yeah, that'd just, be good. To, just to tie it together. And anyway. Fun. Uh, let's cut it here. Let's do our quick programming notes. I know Alicia is back on the Wool Shift Dust feed doing it's happening her. Yeah, she's doing a lot right now. She's doing Edgar Allan Poe's adaptation. I guess it's not his adaptation. It's an adaptation of his work by Mike Flanagan. The Fall of the House of Usher. She's doing coverage with her sister. She did a one shot with me where we talked about the series, which was really fun. She did a crossover podcast with Anthony. Over that on, was an excellent podcast. It was. I listened so to it. So insightful. Oh, my God. The stuff yeah. about Harrenhal yeah. and Poe. Oh, my Lord. It blew my yeah. mind. So go check out her feed if you want to listen to any of that. And, of course, you can check out Maester Anthony's feed, Properly Howard, if you want to catch up on all the remake coverage that he and Steve did recently. A lot of fun. You don't have to watch the movies. Get on that. But if you want fresh Maester Anthony and Steve, you can head to the Severance feed, which is also in the show notes, and catch their coverage of the first couple episodes of Severance Season 1. We'll be joining them for Severance Season 2, and those episodes will only be on that feed. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you want to help us get found by more people. And we look forward to seeing you over there. For us, David, you're doing Loki Season 2 with Alicia and John. And it seems like you're having a great time. And I'm having a good time keeping up. Yeah. So it's good. Ep- it's out. a good season. It's fun. Yep. 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 It seems like it's a lot better than the secret invasion mess we had earlier in the year. We don't so. talk about secret invasion. <laughs> you did on the on the ad. I, I listened to the ad. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So check that out. If you have any interest in the MCU, I think you'll like it. Uh, for us, we have all of our, you know, the Lorehounds engine is going again. You know, we got the one shot for Fall of Usher. We've got uh, uh, Silmarillion stories. Earthsea uh, should all be out before now. And of course, our interview with Bear McCreary should be live by now. That was so, amazing. I was so very, high very after good that. stuff. <laughs> yeah, very, very good episode and a very good interview. Uh, made me excited to see what he's going to do next. So check that out. Uh, more stuff coming. Uh, Lorehounds play is coming, might be out already. So we have plenty of things for your ear holes, as they say. David, you wanted to give our patrons a quick thank you? Yes, to our lore masters, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063. 
Frederick H., Sarah L., Gara C., Eric F., Matthew M., Sarah M., DJ Miwa, Andra B., Kwong Yu, Laura G., Jedi Jedi Bob, Nathan T., Alex V., Aaron T., Sub-Zero, and Adrian. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing and continued support. Thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. And um, thank you to everyone who does give us a listen. Uh, I think that's it. All right. Thank you, everyone. Of course, check out the new Second Breakfast, and we will see you on the feedback episode. The Lorehounds Podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. And connect with us on Twitter at The Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>